y'all. Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a PYB Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach, and I'm so glad that you're here to talk about episode 11, how agency deepens when we take ownership. Now, ownership is very abstract. The idea is quite vague and difficult to define. With voice and choice, you're able to complete these tangible actions that show clearly what they are and how they work. But ownership requires a deeper look because it's a state of being rather than doing some tasks we complete. And when I think of ownership, I actually think of this podcast. At the beginning of this pandemic, I felt such an urgency to create content that would help other educators who were struggling with virtual teaching. And although we are PYP practitioners, teaching virtually feels like we've re-entered teacher's college all over again. To be honest, I didn't know where to start, but I knew I wanted to help. And I began making posters and writing some descriptions, voice recording some of my observations and ideas, making video clips, and then trying to distribute them for the first time across social media. What I discovered is that I really enjoyed sharing my unique voice with the world. Unlike most educators, I felt that if I made one teacher's life easier, then it was worth it. That right there, yeah, it's still what I feel and still what I do. And to me, this right here, this process is ownership. I had to figure out my own path in this world of podcasting and I had to make my plan and find unique ideas to share that people would resonate with and give my own voice to the project. I own all of the mistakes I've made along the way, but also the successes too. And to me, this is how we learn best. We learn by making plans and executing them and tweaking what doesn't work and reflecting on the process. This is so important for our students to experience because it's at the heart of education. Can you imagine how amazing school would be if every student was valued based on their ownership of the process rather than how they scored on it some sort of test or some sort of um, device that showed their growth? In confession number nine, we explored different ways to engage our students into their thinking. This was actually ownership in hiding. I wanted you to experience ownership at a basic level. And now what we're going to do is we're going to explore the stages deeper by evaluating the ownership continuum. Just a reminder, these um, ways of engaging students are compliance, commitment, connection, and creation. So now let's look at it from the lens of ownership. What do these mean? I put my own spin on it of what I think and feel as I think of these terms. So when I think of compliance, I think of a defeated soul. Um, The person who's complying with rules, person who's working in a hostile work environment, where they're being told what to do, or they'll face the consequences. There's little ownership of learning in this space since someone else is guiding the process. That's compliance. Commitment. 
many of us think of commitment as a connection between different people, whether it's our significant other, our family members, our close friends that feel like family, our teammates at work, whomever that might be, your tribe. Commitment is ownership also of sticking with the process of learning until I understand the big ideas and I'm able to share them with other people. Think about it. When you're committed to something, it, the, what, there's an internal thing driving you to understand it. And when you understand it and you have that aha moment, the first thing most people do is they want to share it with someone else because they want their path to be less frustrating. That's the power of commitment. Now, it kind of bleeds into the next one, which is connection. Some of the most amazing connections I've ever had in my life was when I connected with other people. Because it's the power of the group in coming up with ideas that you cannot fathom on your own. This is the power of ownership, where the group now owns the ideas. And then you're able to take pieces of what was shared in that group and make them your own. That's it. We make them our own. And we can only really do it at this level through collaboration with others. And then finally, there's creation. As we commit to new learning experiences while connecting with other people, this is when we're able to innovate and create. This is where the magic happens. We create for ourselves, no one else. And this is what we want our students to do. We want them to be so impassioned by what they're learning in school that they create for themselves. So shake off the dust on that agency continuum we've been working on for the past three podcasts and make a goal of where you think you land on the ownership continuum. Reminder, you look at the stages, compliance, commitment, connection, and creation. Where are you? So let's say I was at compliance. Well, then my goal would be for commitment for this year because I'm trying to move up. Choose a goal that is something that is truly a growth area, but not a frustration area. You're going to have, this is a slow and steady process. It's not a race. But we want to make a specific target for the school year so that it's tangible. Reminder, you're going to put what your goal is, why that goal is, and in what specific way you're trying to target that goal. So, for instance, if I'm looking at connections, Right. I want to look at connection. I want to build connection within my students this year so that they own the learning experience. What ways am I going to get them to connect? I can put small groups, but that's very vague. How in what way in a small group? What's that going to look like? So that now that's your success criteria of how you're going to make that goal happen. Now that you've had a chance to add ownership goals to the agency continuum, let's look at it as a whole. 
Do you notice any patterns in the types of goals you've chosen? Do you notice a pattern of where your goals lie? I completed this process from the lens of where I was when I was a teacher. And I've completed one and put it in this blog post on my website at thinkchat2020.weebly.com. And one thing that I noticed is that two of the goals from voice and choice were together and ownership was by itself. That is completely normal and completely uh, fine. They could all be in three different areas from teacher driven, modeled, guided to learner driven. This isn't a race. This is just trying to progress us towards more agency happening into our classroom. And since agency is so abstract, how do we break it down for students? I created some possibilities that you can use in your classroom. Once again, these are not just little activities. This is a way of being, um, but this way of being are some tasks as you can do but some of them are not just so clear and concrete. That is why ownership is so hard, okay? So let's look at the first one, which is create essential agreements. One way to get your students to own their learning is by creating learning goals together. These replace the traditional rules that teachers usually give to students because the students create potential learning targets with their classmates. Everyone agrees to follow these essential agreements. They create also the possible consequences for violating these norms. So there's no misunderstanding. Everyone has buy-in. Everyone gets consensus. Everyone signs off on it. This encourages full buy-in from our students since they create the agreements and no other time is more important for essential agreements than right now in a virtual learning platform. And I don't mean you're going to wear your uniform or you're going to sit. What are the learning outcomes? What are the things that you want most? Learning how to collaborate, learning how to jot our ideas, learning whatever it is that you want your students to grow in while working in a virtual setting or a hybrid setting or face-to-face -face but socially distanced or physically distanced more. How? That's going to look differently. So you're going to need some essential agreements that are modified to fit that learning environment. Number two, shift our mindset. A difficult task for many teachers is to shift our mindset towards agentic thinking. We love to guide the learning process. And sometimes it's a bit too much, you have to admit. But when we make a mindset shift, we see our learners as capable of driving their own learning experience. This is difficult to do, especially now in a virtual, hybrid, physically distanced, learning situation. So what is something you can do that's little to show that you want to shift your mindset with your students? 
That's up to you. But you need to think about how you're going to shift your mindset even in this weird learning space. Number three, support creative thinking. And not all people are quick on their feet in making decisions. Some people require a bit more to reflect, to process the information, and to make an action plan before making decisions. And then in this world of instant gratification, this can be a huge frustration with our students. And I've noticed in the past couple months, there's been a lot of funny teacher memes of students just sitting there being quiet um, during virtual lessons. But you got to remember, this way of learning is very foreign to our students, especially our, our early learners. And they're trying to navigate just as you are in understanding how to behave, how to think, how to express ideas, how to not talk over each other. Most teachers require them to be muted while they're talking, so it takes away their voice. So think about all of those implications. On top of it, their deeds and their words are captured on video forever. They can be seen anyone by the school. So allow time for them to create and think differently in small meeting rooms, on their own, in asynchronous learning time. So they get their thoughts together in a way that's logical for them. Number four, provide feedback and feed forward. More than ever, your students need immediate feedback and feed forward. They're walking into a virtual world, a hybrid world, a physically distanced world, and they don't know how to navigate. They need feedback on what they're doing incorrectly, what misconceptions they have immediately, especially our youngest learners. They lean on you to guide their missteps, clear up those misconceptions and provide a new way of thinking about traditional ideas. Huge. So for example, if a child is having a hard time articulating a a letter sound or is, um, so if they can't say, P, right, and you notice that that's happening over, how are you going to correct that in the moment without making them feel that they're on display? How are you going to correct that misconception of the P sound? This is connected with feed forward. And a reminder, feed forward is next steps, articulation of how we can move forward. So thinking of that P sound, what are some possible resources that the child can look at during their asynchronous time to practice the P sound um, that they can practice and do and be guided so when they come back to you, they have a better sense. And you can also work with them in a small, um, small group setting. It needs to be presented in a variety of formats though too such as verbally, graphically, and written. This will greatly decrease the miscommunication that's happening that's rampant in remote learning. It'll also help their parents to guide from home 
um, to support them in, in breaking down those misconceptions. And finally, number five, give freedom. <laughs> I know this is a tall ask because one of the hardest things to do is to give freedom. We are feeling so much pressure right now as educators from our school leadership, from above them, um, whether we're in an international school, whether we're in public school. When I talk to some friends in international schools, I feel like they're under even more strain than I've heard some public school teachers where they're teaching synchronously eight hours a day. And so how do we manage this process of giving freedom? We're feeling the constraints of our freedom being taken away. But this is a defining time in our educational system. And we have to remind ourselves, anchor ourselves, and ask us this question, what is more important, compliance, getting the work done, or creation? Our actions in this next year will have a great impact on a complete generation of young learners. More than any other time, our students need a little freedom to get their ideas out into the universe and assess what are the, the implications of these ideas. So ultimately, are you willing to give them that freedom of time? Whew, as you can see, ownership is a lot different. It requires a deeper sense of being. And I think many educators struggle with this part of agency. So they kind of sidestep it. They briefly talk about ownership and ensure that it's, you know, been covered. But they don't know how to unpack it for meaning, for transference. So now is the time, since you now have a deeper understanding of what ownership is, is are you going to continue to sidestep ownership? Or are you going to do the hard part? the hard work of unpeeling the layers of ownership and agency together. <sighs> Intense episode. So good. So many goodies here. For more goodies, go to the, our website, thinkchat2020.weebly.com. If you're looking for ways to share, go on to Twitter, thinkchat2020. I'm going to be posting some questions. I'd love to see some of the things that you're doing in your learning setting to make this happen. We're in it together. We're fighting the good fight. Just keep going because you're making a difference. And remember, be good to yourself. Have a wonderful day.